and the nuns still lived up there and there was just like religious stuff everywhere like big statues of like mary but like people would always throw her all over her face wow you know what i love about kids is that no matter where you go they're the same and if you just put something important in front of them they're gonna fuck with it and i think it's so funny and every everywhere you go the reaction's the same from the establishment it's like I can't believe these kids would be so disrespectful. It's like, exactly. oh my God, they gave Mary a Hitler mustache. <laughs> of course they did. You you shouldn't have put it here. Yeah, yeah I remember she was holding her hands out like that and people would always like snap their hands off and stuff. Oh, <laughs> my God. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Growing Up Christian. I'm Sam. I'm Casey. And Casey, do you want to start with a silly story or a serious question? Serious, a silly story for sure. Okay. I, I thought about this today because Facebook memories. So my foster son, as I've referred to him as, but never mentioned his name, uh, he's 18 now. So, you know, the issues of me mentioning his name and putting them out on like i, I I've, i'm always super hesitant to that uh, but anyway just for the sake of making the story easier his name is byron and um technically we're not his foster parents anymore we're just his arrangement his living arrangement while he finishes out high school since he is 18 but you just nag on him unofficially now <laughs> so but my facebook memories brought up an old picture of him from like when he was 12 or 13 or something like that and it was from around the time that this story takes place which is what made me think of it so i have a friend jake who's visiting me from virginia this was when we have this is a like first time yeah so this is the first time that we had byron living with us he's lived with us a couple of times over the years and um he was like 12 13 like i think he, he was 12 the first time he lived with us or he turned 12 but um so at that time i was working in Boston, but I lived in Worcester. And for those who don't know Massachusetts geography, that's about a little, uh, an hour drive. And because I'm working in Boston and I, I knew Byron from Boston when he first went into care, um, I, my, I got the call to basically like I got my name came up in court and as a possible person for him to live with. So, you know, when we worked the whole thing out, it's because I was driving to work in Boston five days a week. So I would leave the house early. I would bring him to school. And then I would, he would do the after school program. And on my way home from work, I would like pick him up and then we'd go home. So it was a lot of like driving and added time. And it was a weird time. But so when that, because that was the arrangement, I had a friend who came to visit me from Virginia. He came for a long weekend and I took, so I took a long weekend. Basically, I, t- I t- took like a, a, just a Friday or Monday off or something like that. But we just like we figured we'd just go into like Boston and check out the city like the day that he was in school. And um, the day, the morning we were leaving to go, he um, I was like, all right, Byron, you're going to sit in the back seat. All right. 
And he's like, come on, I don't want to sit. He's like making a big deal out of it. He's 12 years old. He's making a huge deal out of having to sit in the back seat because, you know, he always would. And, um, and then my friend Jake is like, all right, I'll tell you what. If you can guess my middle name, you can have the front seat. And he's like, you have one try, but if you guess it right, you get the front seat on our way into Boston. And Byron's just like, uh, Robert. And Jake's like, did you fucking tell him my last name, my middle name, dude? And I was like, no. This is, he's like, how the heck did you guess my name? He's like, I don't know. I just kind of guessed like a generic white person middle name. I keep saying last name. He's like, I guess I guessed a generic like white person middle name. And uh, I was like, out of all the names in the world to guess out of a person he pretty much just met, he literally guessed his middle name. And my friend Jake was like, I, I guess I'm sitting in the back. So he sat in the back the entire drive in. He's like, I can't take that back. Like. <laughs> So he literally guessed his name. It wasn't he wasn't just messing with him like. Yeah, no, that was he actually on the first try actually guessed my friend's middle name. I was I so we, him and I still talk about it to this day. And that was almost that was like six years ago. And it's like <laughs> I think it's so funny. One try, first try. It was just like, isn't it funny? Like, uh, you know, when you're a stars kid, aligned, that's the sort of thing. like he probably told all of his friends that he guessed this dude's middle name yeah. and stuff. I always oh, we, remember like we talked about feel, it all weekend. It was, <laughs> I always remember feeling like when, uh, when I was growing up, my dad would tell me all these stories about from when he was a kid and all this stuff that they did. And I used to just kind of like, uh, stew about the fact that I felt like I didn't have any good stories yet. And then, you know, you get older and all this stuff happens and everything. And, but now I've told all of my, yeah, growing up stories like 30 times to April. <laughs> I know. <laughs> probably like, like eyes roll back in her head when when I start talking. Oh, one time I pooped my pants. Yeah. Dude, when you get to that point in your life when you realize like because when you're young and you hear like older people retell the same stories, you're like, yeah, I know. You told me. How do you not remember this? And now I'm at that age where I'm like, I'll start telling a story. And I'm like, shit i'm almost positive i've said this about five times already. and everyone's just like oh really like i i've caught myself pretending like that's the first time i ever heard a story to somebody because i don't want to hurt their feelings it's still and they're like my peers and i'm just like oh oh yeah no i haven't heard this one this is great i know i'm doing that now too so i'm not excited for what that's going to look like in like 20 years it's going to be pretty bad i think it's going to be awful We're when you were a kid, did you like hearing people like adults tell stories? Because I always used to, I mean, that was something I loved. Like when we had family gatherings and stuff, yeah. sitting around listening to like my grandpa talk about whatever. Like my grandpa on my mom's side had like every weird, odd job you can think of. Like he oh, was yeah. a lumberjack and he drove cattle and he worked at every sort of manufacturing place and probably got fired from a lot of those He's <laughs> the funniest dude ever you know hard worker and everything but he was kind of haphazard he'd always have like accidents and stuff like that and uh i don't know i just i just just love sitting around listening to people talk about whatever just talking about telling stories and things like that yeah my um i had an uncle who like on my mom's side when we go out there for like holidays and stuff like listening to them like talk about stories from there because they were always the kind of kids that were like getting into stuff uh so like listening to stories about like when you're younger and you listen to stories about like uncles telling you about all the trouble they got into and how awful they were 
that's all that was always fun for me i think probably because like i wouldn't have imagined ever doing anything close to that because i was such like a goody two-shoes but same yeah so like hearing like these adventure stories about like doing this or like that crazy thing and basically whether or not it was illegal or getting in fights and all this shit you're like people it's like this shit's not just on tv people really did this you're like hearing those stories was always so fun for me i remember like when i got older my mom used to even mention like feel like and i don't remember it from when i was younger but i remember her mentioning like when we were younger and he would talk about those stories or he would say things like he never he didn't have much of a filter and um her being like okay like that's tough like doing family dinners there because he would just say his piece and it's like hope we didn't remember it afterwards but um it is funny now that i'm getting older and i have kids that are younger and i hang out with my family and you realize like kids probably mostly just don't hear grown-ups swear all that much like if it's not part of your common vernacular like when i'm talking to my kids i don't swear sometimes they're around and something happens and you drop something or my dog is just a pain in the ass and like you say shit to the dog or whatever but like so they occasionally hear you swear but for the most part like kids are insulated from it so i'm like i probably heard it all the time when i was younger and my mom was probably like oh i don't want my kids hearing this and we just missed it all and i the only reason i think that is because that's what happens generally with my kids too because if they repeated all the words they'd hear we'd be having more conversations about what words they're allowed to use at this point. (laughs) Yeah. I'm sure that's tough ground to navigate. Yeah. It's weird trying to figure it out because I don't want my kids to like, I don't really care. Like, like in high school, I had friends that would swear all the time when we were at their house and stuff. And I'm like, the parents didn't care. And then they would, but they, what they went to school and they didn't say those words in class or at their teachers because they learned appropriate boundaries for things like that. Like, yeah. And that's more healthy to me. It's like at home, X, Y, Z, like all life is, is learning how to like navigate different situations and what you can do in certain ones versus others, instead of pretending like it's like just this um, homogenous world we live in where everyone's supposed to act one way all the time. And I don't feel like I learned that nuance until a little bit later. And I probably am still trying to navigate it. I'm like, I'll test it out in places and say something inappropriate and be like, Nope. Still trying to figure this one out. It's almost oh. like I'm like an, on an autism spectrum. I'm not, but I'm just, <laughs> that's what it's like growing up Christian, I guess. is It, it defaults you on some level of the spectrum. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of which, uh, I have gotten in trouble. I've gotten in trouble twice now in the past couple of months over that sort of thing. Yeah. Like uh, through work, I, I teach some classes occasionally and i used to do a lot more of it i'm kind of on the you know downward slope of that that whole segment but um there's a guy that i that i do these classes with and he's kind of the ringleader of the class you know and he's a he was an actor for a lot of years and he's just this really like big personality funny guy everybody loves him and you know it's it's when you're talking about having a group of grown men in a room for an entire week that haven't sat in a class in years. You oh, know? Yeah. And you're going to set them in a class for an entire week and talk about like transmission fluid and cooling. <laughs> that sounds riveting. 
it can be dry, right? So like the sales training side of it can be more fun and it's interactive and stuff. But you, if you want to keep the class, if you want to hold their attention and, and keep it interesting and make sure that they have a good experience, like there's an element of performance to it, whether, you know, whether that's sure. your forte or not, like you're trying to keep it engaging and, and you do, you know, part of how you do that is with jokes and things like that. Yeah. The problem is, is that every room of grown men and, and women have a different point at which they start to get antsy or offended about things. Yeah. <laughs> and so like, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm a, I'm pretty good at minding my P's and Q's, but once in a while, somebody just takes something I said and just takes it in the worst possible interpretation, you know? Yeah. And I mean, I've, I've made jokes that didn't fly or, you know, that flopped and stuff. Usually it's just cause it's like, it's an obscure reference or something goes right over everybody's head and, and you oh, know, Kyle, I can understand you on the that. podcast all the time. Yep. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, I've, I've recently gotten like a couple of complaints on the exit surveys for the class <laughs> saying that, uh, they thought I was a jerk or that they were offended because I, whatever, made fun of their name or something like that. Like, okay, you made fun of a name way to cross the line. Yeah, I know. I know. Right. <laughs> and I don't know why, but like that, like, I don't get angry about much, like to the point of like actually being physically angry over something. But that to me Oh, it just makes my blood boil, especially when it's like we're all grown men. Like, just call me if you, you know, everybody's got my contact. Anybody can get in contact with me. So no just one's call me and that. say, hey, what did you mean by this? Because I'm not going to lie. That came off really rude or I didn't like the way that you talked about this or that or something like that. Instead, you know, you got to go through the whole hierarchy of the company yeah. And like four people down from there, someone says, hey, uh, I just wanted to let you know that someone didn't like the way that you said this or that or the other. Dude, no one is going to tell you to your face that they had a problem with what you said or ask a question about what you was. That is not how anybody operates. All right. That's fair. <laughs> but, you know, it's it's uh, I can't help but think that, that it's a lot of the same people that that get upset about things like this are the same people who would make comments about like, oh, kids today are a bunch of snowflakes, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> the Definitely. minute it's anything they don't like, it's it's like, well, I've got to climb the ladder and let everyone know. I don't want to speculate, but I'm going to. And I'm going on a limb here. It, a lot of people in the automotive industry or your industry might be more. I feel like there's probably more there. More than 50% of the time, they might be likely to call people too sensitive or snowflakes. I, I don't know if that's a fair assessment. Like, You're being so generous right I, now. <laughs> I don't want to step on any toes here, but it just seems like an industry that's the people involved in it are more likely to have definitely called. Uh, maybe, maybe some of them had one of those banners that said, uh, make liberals cry 2020 or something like that. I don't know. Just a, yeah. Got a coffee mug that says liberal tears. Yeah. Yeah. Something like that. I don't know. Yeah, there's some but of that I, sentiment around. I'm sure around. some of those are the people who had a complaint about their feelings being hurt that couldn't, 
just say it to your face. So I don't, I'm sure some of them were very uh, reasonable people who have never called anybody a name or anything, but it was just, just brainstorming here. Are you ready for the, the, uh, I'll be going to shift us. You ready for the serious question? I'm as ready as I'm going to get. Let's see if this is probably a terrible idea to go into this direction, but um, how do you feel about mandatory vaccines? (laughs) Um, like as a as a whole or for like certain occupations or what? I don't know. Just take your pick. Uh, it's coming up so much lately and I feel like it's been the talk of the town. Uh, and by the town, I mean the United States of America. And it's coming up a lot in like because of back to school shit, which I know isn't really anything for you. But when I have kids and my wife's a teacher, like it's a very common thing right now. It's like. What are we going to do? Require masks, require vaccines. Can we do this? People's rights, blah, blah, blah. I would say, I I don't know if I have a fully developed opinion on this, but I mean, my knee jerk reaction is to say that I'm not for it. Hmm. That's fine. I mean, I don't, I feel like it's such a, it's really difficult. Territory. Is it really fine? Or are you going to complain to my boss? <laughs> <laughs> I'm complaining to your boss. Uh, I feel like it's it's weird because no one's not I shouldn't say no one, but for the most part, like thinking about it from a school setting. Right. Like I couldn't I was homeschooled, so I didn't have all my vaccines that I would have had if I went to high school. Um, But in high school, you have to get them. And then in then when I'm ready to go to college and I want to live on a dorm, you have to have all those same vaccines that you would have if you were in high school. So I had to get like a couple and I didn't think anything of it at the time. Nobody said anything about it. Like it was just like, Oh yeah, you're going to college. You have to get these vaccines. You have to go ahead and get these shots, blah, blah, blah. Did it. Went to school. Haven't thought about it again until now that people are flipping the fuck out about making people in school settings, get vaccines. And they're like, what about my rights? Or if it's a work, it's like HIPAA violation to ask. Like, all these conversations are coming out about it. And it's so strange because I think it really shows you how politicized COVID got as opposed to like anything else. Like no one gives a shit that you had to have a measles vaccine in high school, except for like the really staunch, like, like anti-vax community, which is a tiny percentage of people. Yeah, And those people just often choose to homeschool and they don't like try to tear down the entire education system because they feel like that's not like you're, if you feel like, you shouldn't it's if you like if you feel like you shouldn't have to get your kid vaccinated like you're not forced into it you just have to homeschool your kid like and they'll take that and they'll say okay and it's not infringing upon their rights because they also have the right to homeschool too so i'm like i'm kind of feeling like this is just a clear instance of how polarized everything is now it's really annoying because like this wouldn't have been this wasn't an issue 10 years ago 15 years ago when i was like going to college like i i don't i don't think i really knew that people were anti-vax even at that point in my life like i hadn't heard it from any of the most conservative people in my religious setting yeah i feel like i only heard about anti-vax stuff i don't know maybe like the early 2010s Mm -hmm. somewhere in there like i mean i didn't i don't think that was really much of a movement until social media yeah yeah social media had a lot to do with kind of pushing that agenda and that movement and the people that pushed it i mean follow the money they made a lot of money off of it they made a lot of like donate to this to help stop 
that and then like there were people at the top of that making uh i'm not citing sources here i could be full of shit but i don't know whatever you can look it up if you want to really um what about like so if like companies like if um like if your company was like the vac if you want to continue to work here and be in sales and visit people and go to this place and that like you are now required to get the vaccine for the sense of because of public safety if a company took a stance like that, how do you think that would go over? Do you think you would like people would, do you think companies would lose people? I, f- I mean, you have a, probably a better sense of it in some way as someone who would like have to manage a sales team and things like that. But yeah, I feel like that would be bad. It wouldn't go over well at, at my company. I know. I yeah. Mean, I, I'm vaccinated and I don't know. I, I have, I have a hard time with this deal because it is like super politicized. Yeah. And I don't think that that's one side or the other's fault. I mean, I feel like it's bad behavior on both because it was definitely used as a tool against the Trump reelection effort, COVID as a whole, you know, and I'm fine with the result. So (laughs) I'm not going to complain too much about that, but it's, I don't know. Both sides played a role in that. I think as in far as companies it, go, polarizing it, is that what you're saying? Yeah. Politicizing and therefore polarizing. I think from a company standpoint, it comes down to like, can you do your job and, and work, you know, in the capacity that your company needs you to without infringing on other people's rights you know, like, cause I, I've, I've seen a lot of like back and forth about nurses being forced to get vaccinated on Facebook and stuff. Yeah, Some people absolutely. that I know or used to know, you know, are talking about it and they're, you know, in large part, very opposed to forcing nurses and medical staff to get vaccinated. But, you know, how, how can you, as a, as a medical practitioner, how can you do your job in close proximity with people who may not want to be, you know, I mean, yeah, I'm not even do sure. that without like in upsetting or endangering people that, that feel that that's a really important thing and that you should have gotten vaccinated and stuff. And I don't know, man, I, it's a, it's a hard question to answer. Yeah. I'm not I do sure think you're right though. How, sorry. No, keep going. Well, I do think you're right though, that like, I don't know where, like, why is this now such a point of contention you know, when obviously like, like, okay, so my dad and and his family were in a big flood when he was a kid. And it was like, it, it was in Rapid City, South Dakota, I think in the early, late 70s. But basically, like, it was catastrophic. Hmm. And took out a bunch of homes and really, you know, destroyed, you know, a large portion of that community and stuff like that. And afterwards, I mean, you know, the army or the National Guard came in to help manage it and help people and rescue people and dig, dig corpses out of mud and stuff like that. And they all had to line up and they had those big air gun, you know, you walk like they use in in military settings where they just like, and you get, you know, six different inoculations at once because you're literally standing in sewage water. Oh, my God. And that's awful. That's just a matter of fact. I mean, that was what was done at that point. And, you know, the extreme circumstances that they were living in warranted that level of, of response, you know? And so, I mean, I can, I can definitely see people making a case for that with COVID, 
my only concern about it is like, are the if we mandate that people get a Johnson and Johnson shot or something like that, you know, one, a private company is going to benefit from that in a huge way. A private company with a lot of lobbying power and stuff like that is going to make a killing off of that sort of a decision. Several, I mean, three for sure, right? Moderna, Pfizer, and Johnson and Johnson. So that's a little weird. It doesn't mean that it's not a good practice or anything, but it's weird. Sure, yeah, I can, I get that. But what's the um? I, you, I, I might say it wrong, but there's like a phrase saying that's like your your right to swing your arms stops at my nose or something like that. That's been yep. being thrown around a lot, and it's like. So I think it's like if so if there was a guy who was like, look, I'm a doctor, I have a PhD, I'm a medical doctor. And, you know, based on some things that I've seen and what I think, I think uh, bloodletting's actually a practice that wasn't as bad as we thought and that maybe we should go back to doing it. He's not going to be allowed to do that because he's just wrong. So like when the science says like something like something is good and something is safe and something. I mean, Medicare is not going to pay for it, but I'm (laughs) sure there are idiots in the country who are paying people to let their blood out. I mean, I'm sure he would just, uh, you know become a chiropractor and get away with whatever the fuck you wanted. <laughs> <laughs> Foot massage and bloodletting. Um, <laughs> oh my God. Hey, we should do an intro about how much I hate chiropractors sometime. I wonder if we have any listening. Send us an email if uh, you're a chiropractor and tell me why uh, you're not a fraud. Oh, <laughs> jeez, heavy handed. Wow. <laughs> okay. I'm going to regret that. I'm probably going to wish we edited that out but um i don't know where i was going oh it's just like when if like with the i guess what's frust what i find like difficult is like i I get weary of saying like anything's forced because then uh you know if things take a turn for the worse and you end up with more of like a fascist government uh forcing people to do certain things is uh, that's just the language around being forced into anything is uncomfortable to me um but Saying that now, like there is so, but then, I'll, but it's funny because generally the people who are more likely to say that it, it's against their rights to be forced into something like that are also the people of a problem with private businesses making decisions to not serve people unless they have a uh, proof of vaccination card or something like that. Like, you know, like it's not really working out the way they wanted it to. And it feels like they want to just be able to do whatever they want and have no repercussions for it. And that's just not the world we live in. Like if we live in a world where people are saying well, you should be vaccinated, that's what the safest thing, safest thing to do is. And you are not welcome to shop or eat here without proof of vaccination. Like that is I mean, with, entirely within a business's rights. And of course now in New York, you have the government, like the, the governor saying what you, you can't eat or do anything anywhere without proof of vaccination. So, right. It's not I, mandating uh, vaccination, though. Uh, and the intent there is supposedly to help businesses, right? Because if this gets... I mean, New York shut down for fucking ever, dude. New York was in shambles over this. And, like, the last thing on earth they want... I, I New York City. Like, I, the last thing on earth they really want is to have to, like, go to deal with what they already dealt with for round two. And it, so are they helping businesses or hurting businesses? I mean, that I guess that's for fate, like the future to decide right. and show us. But well, yeah, I mean, the, the point two that I was going to make, no one was 
these pharmaceutical companies are going to make a killing off of this thing, which whatever. All right. Uh, point two would be, are we certain that those vaccines are effective against what we're dealing with now? Because it seems like people with vaccines are still getting sick now. Yeah, but that it, it has more to do with uh, the hospitalization rate and things like that. Like people who who have the vaccine are like it's like 90 percent of deaths in hospitalizations are people who are unvaccinated, you know, so yeah. I mean, people can still get it, but the problem also, you could argue that the problem is so many people didn't get vaccinated that it trans like the transmission rate increased so much and we weren't able to quell it in any way. And it's through multiple transit. It's through it transmitting that it evolves into variants that the vaccine now isn't going to be as effective against. So, right. It's just, yeah. we're fucked. I've, Basically we're fucked. I don't I've know. heard that. Yeah. It, it, <laughs> I don't know, man. I mean, it's not a hill I'm going to die on and I'm already vaccinated. I do think that you're right though. in that like people really need to be careful what they're advocating for policy wise, because this level of emergency, we're going to deal with it. This is like, it's going to be, I think it, it has the potential to be like the war on terror where was like this is special circumstances where we have to extend our reach a little bit because we're trying to keep everybody safe but then it just perpetually goes on forever and i i mean we got biden in the office right now and i, I don't know that anybody's super thrilled about biden but he's a <laughs> he's a calm you know like he's a he's a uh just a he's keeping things calm but to think that the, we'll never have another person like like trump in office I think I, is a mistake. I, I mean, I th I think when, when Obama got elected, I think there was a lot of people that thought, man, finally, we'll never have another George W. Bush. And, you know, by comparison, yeah. he looks pretty mild <laughs> compared got, to the amount of people who have like shifted since Trump. Like, I guess Bush wasn't that bad. It's like funny when you have like something terrible to compare it to, you could rein it in a little bit. I mean, he did start the war on terror as we already addressed now wait are you saying the war on terror wasn't great i don't know if oh i'm a fan okay i mean i went to i went to his rallies i held yeah. a sign upside down as we've talked about yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 10 year old me uh, yeah yeah dude i i remember after um 9 11 having very serious convictions about what the united states needed to do uh when it came to our war efforts i don't understand like even trying to think back on what I was thinking and how I felt. It's like, I was, I mean, I staunchly believed it. I, when I look at 11 and 12 year olds and stuff like that, you look at those people now and you're like, you only, you don't have your own opinions yet. Like, but I remember how fervently I believed in the things I did when I was that age. And that's so weird to think about. And it doesn't feel because when you look back on your life, it never feels much different than the way you feel now. Like when I think of college me and the way I felt about things, it doesn't feel that removed. And then in high school and then like whatever your convictions are, like at the time you fervently believe them. And man, nothing has made me hold opinions and an open hand, like being wrong about everything at every single point in my life all the time entirely right. up until now up and i'm like god damn it i was wrong about everything all for so long and i tried to convert people to my wrongness something and now i'm like 
I don't know. I, I mean, with friends and behind closed doors, I might say some really pigheaded things about like d- dig my heels in and tell everyone they're wrong about everything except for what they agree with me on. But mostly in jest. But man, it is it, it throws you through a loop. It makes it hard to be completely sure of anything uh, at, when you, when you've gone through that. <laughs> I feel that. I feel like we should conclude this discussion by just saying like, hey. Man, I know you're getting a lot of uh, excitement and probably some encouragement from the people around you by saying that, you know, whatever, that you're not getting your vaccine. I feel like you should just go get your vaccine. Yeah, we should end with that. Just go do it. vaccinated, everyone. Just fucking please do it. You're not going to die. No one's going to die from getting it. Just go get it and be done with it. And then we can move on and hopefully this will be over. I don't have to worry about my kids at school who can't get it because their dumb parents said masks are dumb and vaccines aren't real. And then they're sitting there. Kid- I mean, kids are disgu- like even like masks. Look, I get it. You, you send kids to school with masks on. My kids are four and five under their masks. They're picking their nose. They're eating their boogers. They're pissing on their hands when they go to the bathroom. They're not washing good. Like masks are fine. And I'm, my kids are, you know, luckily kids are actually pretty good at wearing them better than most adults who don't want to wear them. They're just like, that's fine. But kids are gross. They're super gross. They Dude, flick boogers on each Adults are time. gross. Yeah. <laughs> I was in Costco this week and in the little cafe section, I saw a middle-aged couple like aggressively mouth open flossing. Oh at my the God. Table. Are you fucking serious? That's disgusting. I'm serious. I almost, I, I was like, I can't. You should have saved take your, a picture yeah. of this and post it. But like, this is so gross. Yeah. I just want people to know that this is happening. <laughs> you should have. You ethically can take a picture of that when they're being that publicly unethical. That is horrifying. You can yeah, see their it plaque. It was pretty gross. Like wherever they're standing next to looking at, you can find like their plaque sprayed on it afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, get your fucking vaccines, people. It's not hard. It's free, yeah. it's easy, and you uh, feel fine afterwards for the most part. So, I mean, minus like magnets sticking to your skin and shit. But, <laughs> yeah. um, so our guest this week is uh, this was a this was kind of like a shot in the dark yeah. messaging, uh, messaging her. Um, so there's a band that I really like called Blood Command, and they're Norwegian. It's a it's a strange band. They're kind of like this weird mix of like punk, post hardcore, pop. Yeah, like it's it's that's a, a good, that's a good description. I think that that levels. Yeah, it, it's it's fun music. It's a little on the heavy side, and it's always had like a female vocalist, which you know, heavy music has been predominantly a male dominated space. And all of a sudden now there's got like you get like all of these great female vocalists and musicians and stuff that are kind of like coming up through the ranks of, you know, bands like Spirit Box and stuff like that. And uh, Nikki Brumman was the head or lead vocals for a band called Pagan. There's an Australian band, which is where she's from. Um, She just recently became the vocalist for blood command and have like one single out with her on it too. Right. It's only the one so far. Exactly. Yeah, okay. exactly. So they've done this all from, you know, between uh, Australia and Norway, they've managed to like digitally record a single. It's called a villain's monologue. And I, I love it. I think it's great. And uh, she's got voice that'll just like melt butter. 
<laughs> I mean, it's it's got it's got a it's got some power to it. It's awesome. So, but uh, Nikki was you know has been pretty vocally anti-established religion, um, and she just she just seemed hilarious from some of the stuff that we looked at on Instagram and everything. So we messaged her to see if she was willing to do an episode, and she was all about it. So um, we sat and talked with her about uh, you know her. She grew up in in Australia where, you know, you have like limited choice on schools and her parents to give her a better education. They put her into a Catholic school, but she wasn't a Catholic and not religious at all. And she just had to kind of like force herself through the motions and stuff. I don't know. She's just a a really interesting person and um, making great music. And we had a lot of fun talking to her. So that being said. Uh, if you want to hang out with us and the rest of the Grown Up Christian gang, we're on Discord. You can find a link in any of our social media pages. And we got some cool stuff coming up. Um, Sam and I were just looking at some artwork and things like that for some potential merch coming up. I mean, yeah, things are going great, and we're happy you're here. And hope you enjoy our conversation with Nikki Broman. All right, we are back with our guest, Nikki Brumman of Blood Command. How are you doing, Nikki? I'm good. I'm good. In lockdown in Melbourne, but other than that, I'm great. How are you going? <laughs> we are, uh, you know, like my closest neighbor is like two miles away. So even if we were in lockdown, I don't, I don't feel like it would affect me. Uh... <laughs> Casey pretty much lives in lockdown anyway, just generally. Hermit. Yeah, so you'd be totally fine doing this then. For me, I go, I go insane. Like, I just want to go see live bands and like get out of the house. Yeah, <laughs> we. Have, I mean, it's been forever since we've seen live music. I'm going. To, I mean, I haven't been to a show obviously in well over a year now, and I don't. I think October is like the wow, first. Wow, really? <gasps> yeah, we've we've been lucky in a way because it kind of like we were in really strict lockdown, and then things got better in Australia. And so I was able to sort of see bands in that, you know, when it got better period. But they kind of started doing it where they'd have like tables and chairs. So you had to like sit down and watch uh, bands, which was a it's really like a youth group concert. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a really weird situation, like having to just like sit down and watch a heavy band play. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that works they... if you're going to see Coldplay or something. But I feel like when you're at a punk show, <laughs> going to like a metal show it's not exactly ideal to just sit there at a table exactly yeah yeah there's definitely some some concerts scheduled here now i think like gojira's coming to wichita oh, in a that's couple awesome. months yeah i'd never really listened to gojira and then uh you know when i saw they were coming i kind of dove in on their latest album and it's it's great yeah sick that'd be awesome i hope that they can do it like, you know, it's been so disappointing. So many bands have been, like, going to do it, and then things get cancelled just last minute on Mother Beth But Yeah, I felt so bad. Every band that, like, dropped an album and then were had, like, scheduled their album tour and only to have it cancelled and just kind of eat shit on that album really sucked. Yeah, totally. I've, I've um, experienced that from a whole different way of being, like, joining a band and then because they're in Norway, which I don't think you can get further from Australia than Norway. <laughs> no, we're not. <laughs> and then COVID <laughs> happened like a week later. And we were like, 
oh no, we're now in a band together and this is really exciting, but we can't, like, how do we meet each other and how do we, like, do anything? Like, how do we record? How do we, like, move things forward? So it's just been, like, the most bizarre experience. It's got to be. Yeah. So, okay, so let's hit on that for a second. So you were in a band called Pagan. Yes. I learned about through the, when I saw that you were joining Blood Command, which, so Blood Command is such a cool band. I don't oh, even know really how to describe them. Like, they, uh, we're kind of self-described death pop. I think that sums it up pretty good. I like that. I like yeah. that. But, uh, you know, very unique um, uh, female lead vocals, just a really cool, different sort of band. And, you know, uh, lead singer stepped down i think and yeah and there's like no more perfect person to fill that role than you so that that was great thank you it was it's kind of like i do agree that i probably am like not in an arrogant way or anything but i feel like i am the perfect fit to have been the new singer because when i first heard blood command i always thought they sound like pagan but like a pop version because my band pagan for people listening were like a heavy um sort of we called ourselves black and rock and roll really really heavy hardcore we kind of sound maybe a bit like cabal attack or a band like that and um we were um touring europe a lot at the time and i came across blood command and the first time i heard them i was like yeah this band sounds like pagan and they do similar vibe to Pagan, like just even aesthetically. And so when I got asked to join the band, I was like, this is amazing. And I really feel like I will do them justice because I can I can scream. Um, but like singing is not something that comes as naturally to me. I feel a little bit self-conscious about it. So I just like started getting singing lessons like every week, turn into the biggest geek, would like rehearse like literally five days a week like vocal training constantly to get to a point where I like recorded the album and felt really good about all my playing vocals. So oh, yeah, wow. it's good. It's been a Have you were much of a singer before? I like, I've always been a vocalist, but like a heavy vocalist. Yeah. So like a, somebody who just mainly screams all my vocals. Yeah. Now when you're doing something like that, like do you, do you find a vocal coach that specializes in that type of vocals? I mean, is there, a, I, there can't be too many of those. Yeah, around. it's a good question. I'm as a screaming vocalist, I'm completely self-taught. So I one day was just like, I want to be able to scream. I want to be a girl in heavy bands because there just weren't enough girls doing it back when I started. Right. I, my old band, we before Pagan, I was in like a, we sounded a bit like a Riot Girl band, like um, bands from the Riot Girl movement era. We weren't trying to do Riot Girl. We just kind of sounded like that. We were just like a punk band. And um, we, like, just formed. It was just, like, a group of girls who just, like, wanted to do it. And I just started screaming and, like, totally fucking my voice, like, blowing my voice out all the time yeah. just to, like, <laughs> l- like learn it because – how else do you learn to do something like that? Like it's a pretty unique thing to learn. And I, as I practiced and as I like, you know, stuffed up, um, I like would learn the things that I needed to be able to do it. And then when it got to the time that I was playing in Pagan, 
and we like kind of got thrown in the deep end a lot of times. Like we got a lot of festival slots really early on and then we went on tours pretty early on as a band and we just like I just had to learn how to do it. And I, yeah, I used a combination of like me just trial and error and then also like I used to study acting for a few years just because I love live performance and I used a lot of the vocal techniques from my acting training for oh, okay. to learn how to scream. And then, yeah, so when it came to singing, I went to a, a vocal coach who has trained a lot of, like, heavier vocalists, but he hasn't taught me any of the screaming stuff. That's all That's all self-taught. Yeah. It does seem like, like I, w- I was in a band in college and I was the vocalist, you know, metal band screaming Dude, and stuff. I love that. What we called. <laughs> oh, we had a terrible name. The Poison Written. <laughs> I love hearing like high school band names. Yeah, it's oh, hilarious. Man. Oh, yeah. There were so They're many good ones. I, Everyone's- like, my, high, my high school, I, have, I did the same thing, high school band, and ours was, um, it was called Astraeus. And that, oh, everyone was just like, cool, what does that mean? We're like, fucked if I know. I just joined yeah. band. But. <laughs> So I remember good. when that stuff was like, I remember the last time I looked for it and it had finally been wiped clean from pure volume. So it's not, I mean, I can't find it anymore. And that's a good thing. I'm happy about that. <laughs> I love that. And there's all these like punk bands in Australia. And for some reason, everyone always uses the name damaged goods. Like it's such really? a standard <laughs> thing. I'm like, the worst name ever. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, I feel, I'm trying to think of like some of the ones. I remember our first show, we played with a band called The Bullet That Killed Kennedy. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like at the time we were that's like, oh, dark. that's different. And we're like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I that scene it. was always trying to come up with, I feel like that like metal scene in, over in the US at least was, they were always trying to come up with like long and just totally strange names. That was, a, know, but, that was a thing like in the like early 2000s. I yeah, feel, exactly. So. Exactly. Sorry, you were saying before <laughs> yeah. I interrupted you to ask you the irrelevant question of what was your band's name? What were you saying about being in a band? I just remember like, <laughs> you know, it's when you're thinking about it and you're in a controlled environment, like, you can you can kind of keep your composure and scream in a way that's like not so rough on your throat, but like hundred percent. Sh- if you did shows and stuff, it it just sounded like by the end it sounded like you were just like squeezing a bag of gravel. Yeah, <laughs> you know? it, I actually really agree with that. Like live, there is a technique I use so that I'm not actually like screaming at full volume. But when I'm recording, like I have to like actually scream properly, otherwise it sounds so shit. Like you can hear hear it when a vocalist is faking it or when a vocalist actually is screaming properly. And it just sounds so much better when you do it properly. But still, yeah, somehow I never lose my voice. I've never lost my voice from screaming. That's great. Uh, just got yeah. strong chords. Yeah. yeah. It's like just, just <laughs> lucky, I guess. <laughs> what, what got you into heavier music? I feel like everyone has like those. Ba- I mean, I probably won't. I don't know if it was like local or if like. I don't I know how the scene was working in you in the US as far as like when metal started taking yeah. on more uh oh, it kind of hit a mainstream like you you went from being like a kid who was different for liking it to feeling like like I mean every every band was just like you buy them at like a hot topic or something like that I 100% agree with that and I had a similar experience I grew up in 
um, a place in Victoria in Australia called Mornington. And Mornington is like a smallish town um, and it's like a coastal town. So it's like really beautiful. It's like known for like its beaches. So I grew up right near the beach and growing up there, it was like really like middle class, whitewash, like everyone there was just into like surfing and like being exactly the same. Like everyone had like, you know, long blonde hair and like going out, like hanging out on the beach. And um, I have an identical twin sister and we, me and my twin, we were just like always the outcasts. We were outcasts of like our family. We were a bit of outcasts in school. We like, we had friends, but like we were always just different to them. Like, you know, when you get to like your teen years and people want to like go to beach parties and drink and like experience all that, you know, I wanted to do that, but I always wanted to like listen to like different music and I, with with her, like me and her, we just, when we were about 13, we just discovered punk music and we just like had, um, we had to share a bedroom because my family didn't have much money and they, we didn't, they didn't have rooms in the house. So my twin sister and I always shared a room and we would just like lock ourselves in our room and listen to like so many different punk records. We, we slowly got into like really heavy metal and like it was so great because we would like share music with each other um and yeah just like having that and having her and having like our own little world it just really started to make us question like you know definitely religion because I was going to a religious high school like Catholic high school Catholicism is very big in Australia I think it's from like the Irish convicts way back when so it's like definitely the most exciting sect of uh, Christianity do you think? <laughs> no, it's so boring. It's the most boring. It's so boring. And the, <laughs> the weirdest thing about it is my mum and dad, like my dad was baptized when he was young because my dad was Slovenian. So Slovenian is like small Eastern European um, place, but not many people know it for some reason. Oh, actually, you guys would know what Slovenia is because Melania Trump is Slovenian. Yeah, which is like oh, the yeah. worst, That's right. the worst famous person to be Slovenian. Like, yeah, it's, it's a shame. We, we love her. <laughs> yeah, Sorry, she's she's the best. <laughs> Some people thought so. <laughs> I hate her. Oh my god! I just, anyway. you know, it's so Sorry, nice to be able to look towards the White House and see just like this picture of a biblical happy marriage. <laughs> Exactly. You know, that's, that's what I love about them. Such great role models. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, just a happy, normal, healthy, yeah. fully functioning relationship. Exactly. I mean, you know, just a president who's so great. Nobody's trapped. <laughs> Nobody's uh, crying for help to get out. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. Just as God intended. <laughs> we, I mean, our prime minister in Australia is, like, no better than Trump, yeah, we, we've heard some stories. Why not? Um, but it's hard to know. Like, I, I feel like one of the things that's tough to know about, I mean, I guess every country, it's kind of hard to really know what's going on in the country. You're not living there. You're just hearing what's going on with their government from various news sources. But uh, it seems like there are some similarities uh, between what's going on over in Australia 
uh, in the government and with the prime minister as we've kind of yeah. been experiencing over here the past five, six years. Yeah, it's just, I mean, just from a personal viewpoint, it's just um, super frustrating in our country that, like, the only thing that they care about is sport. So, like, the the hypocrisy of, like, having, like, an AFL match with, like, 50,000 people being, to, being able to attend, like, literally two weeks ago um, and someone in the crowd had COVID and then, like, so it started, like, this whole thing again, whereas they're not allowing any live venues to, like, you know, have any kind of music, like, why why are they allowing football like we have like the afl which is like massive football thing in australia why are they allowing the afl to go ahead and not like a metallica concert like what's the difference seriously right that's crazy for the the, they had the australian open which is like the tennis tournament it's like really world famous tennis tournament that happens in melbourne they were like flying serena williams over or like you know Nadal or any of those big players, why are they flying them over? Why not? Like, honestly, like, like, why couldn't they fly over a band to play a big arena show? It's literally no difference. Yeah, it's that's just, wild. And they just favour that. And, like, yeah, as well as that, our Prime Minister is also, like, an evangelical Christian psychopath. <laughs> that's our yeah. um, that's our kin that's where that's the cloth we're cut from is even yeah that's an export yeah, and you're welcome yeah oh my god so did you drop in like a cult so that's a fun word uh and it's not <laughs> <laughs> it's not sorry like, I hope that's not no no it's not okay i mean any the you take this wherever you want and you say whatever you want. We're not worried about that. Um, but it, no, I'm, I mean, I'm it, also it, like each to their own with like any, just as a, just saying as a precursor, if whatever people want to believe in, you believe in it. And I, I will never ever judge somebody for what they believe in. It's just when they try to force their belief on other people. Yeah, is which I is also part of what like we is the, the, you know, the uh, forced aspect of it, I mean, it, 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 I wouldn't say it was a cult. Like, it's really not a cult of, in the way that I grew up in it. Like, because everyone I know who's left it hasn't, like, it, they, their families didn't. Well, some people did, but that's an individual problem. As mm-hmm. a whole, people aren't like excommunicated. Relationships aren't too damaged. Sometimes there's like that oh, level of gosh. disappointment, but um, overall, like, it's hard to call it a cult because you can. At least in my, I'm not, if you, some people within evangelicalism are part of something that's more cult-like. Uh, my personal yeah. experience in it was not like that. It was, most of the time, no one talks about it. Like everyone in my family and my, and my in-laws and everyone that I know who's still deeply part of it. Uh, I mean, they know that I'm even doing this, which was to just talk about what my experience with it was like and how I look yeah. at it now. and it just doesn't even come up in conversation. Everyone just kind of pretends like this doesn't exist and we don't even like broach the subject. We might mostly ignore like religious sentiments in yeah. conversation. How is, like that, as, how is evangelical Christianity different from regular Christianity? Well, it's regular well, that's a Are you talking that's a good Catholicism question. essentially? Pardon? What's regular Christianity? Are you talking like, like Catholicism, like the Catholic church? Yeah, I guess so. But I feel like you can be Catholic and you can be Christian. Yeah. But I don't even understand the difference between that. I just feel like maybe Catholic has like the more like boring church services. Maybe. <laughs> it's like I, the I think church. here, like 
so evangelicalism here is probably a little different than it is other places. Like here it takes on a really weird, like nationalistic flavor where it's like, uh, God guns and, and, uh, Donald Trump. That's kind of what evangelicalism has become here. (gasps) I mean, it wasn't when we were kids, you know, Fox news and all of that stuff really fed that beast. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's weird here. I mean, like, it's very um it's very tied into right wing political views here. Yeah. And like Sam said it it's not something that people even people who are deep in it it's not something that they talk about a lot. Like they leave it to the institutions to communicate or to, to you know to speak to the the religious and faith aspects of things. But political stuff is constant. It's just yeah. always a talking point. Yeah, and it does come hand in hand, though, like, especially, like, even with Catholicism, the way I was brought up, like, obviously, I wasn't anywhere near as, um, like, you know, invested in the church as what you two had to be by the sounds of things. But my parents, because of where I grew up in Mornington, they, you either went to, like, the sort of, I don't want to say this in, like, an un-PC way, but there was sort of, like, the state school, which was kind of the, like, lower socioeconomic school, or there was the really private schools, or there was the middle school, which was, like, you know, that's a good education, but it's Catholic, so we have to get our kids baptised so they can get into those schools. Oh, So my mum and dad only got, they only had me baptised so that they could send me to the, the middle good school. Um, my dad, as I was saying, he was Slovenian, so he was Catholic, as I think there's quite a um, big Catholic community there. Um, but my mum wasn't religious at all. She's just like Aussie. Um, she wasn't uh, religious whatsoever. So, but like as a part of going to school, you had to go to church, like you had to go to mass, you had to say prayers and all of this. And even from a really young age, I remember just being like, I just don't, I don't believe this. And they'd be like, you have to go pray. And I just sit there and in my head, I'd be like, I'm not praying. I'm not praying. Go we all hell. did. Yeah, like <laughs> such me. a weird thing. Not me, not Sam. <laughs> Sam, Sam was the kid pray? who meant it. Oh, oh I, so I was, I was. You're uh, still Christian, aren't you? Yeah, One depending on who you ask. It's like, yeah. it's hard for me to parse out, uh, <laughs> honestly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They don't um, want him. They don't, <gasps> not really. But I'm standing here with open arms. Like, come I, on out, bud. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, again, like, each to their own. Like, whatever floats your boat, you know. Right. Yeah. But for and me, I think growing up, there's something nice about like, having something to believe in, you know. But, I, I was super, like, I was invested. I mean, I ended up, like, I went to college to get, a like, a Bible degree and stuff. So, like, I, up until, through my, like, mid-20s, I was heavily invested. Um, Jesus Christ! Oh, no pun intended. Literally, yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. crazy. Did you don't you read the Bible and say this is a lot of shit though? <laughs> not in the, not back in the day. That's for sure. <laughs> I mean, I when it's, it's like, oh, it's so boring as well. Like you could not pay me to read that shit now. <laughs> I, I, in a way, I am happy though that I, you know, I did study. Um, Catholicism because it's made me realize why I'm not that and why I think it's sure. a lot of shit. Because otherwise, I like you know, for me to sit here and just be like, oh fuck religion, blah blah blah. Like I've been educated in it, and therefore I have my reasons why I really don't like it. And a big, big, big reason for me is like how number one, 
it's really, really sexist church. Like even just going to mass, clearly like women are just like, you know, seen and not fucking heard. And second, like the homophobia surrounding the church and that's just absolute no-no for me. Any kind of prejudice or bigotry is just absolute no-no in my books. And third, in Australia, there's a really um, dark undercurrent of priests and pedophilia and there's been a lot of stuff that's come forward lately that's just really scary and disgusting and that, you know, everyone's like the church money, like people are being paid off to not say things and, you know. So that's a global Catholic policy. I think (laughs) so. I mean, yeah. you know, I wouldn't know in America, but I would guess it would be. Oh, yeah. Well, it blew up here uh, a number of years ago. Um, I mean, when you're talking about, like, priests being, like, oh, relocated to new churches just because. Always they, relocating yeah, to, yeah. you know. It's awful. Institutionally, it's been uh, a problem. And, of course, now, within Catholicism, you have a, you have, like, this hierarchy, right? It's a high church. So that, I mean, everything really is built up from, like, where, wherever you go, you could, I mean, I could go to some local Catholic church in my town, and that person's reporting to someone who's reporting to someone, and you take that up the chain, and eventually that person's reporting to Rome and then to the bishop, I mean, to the the, the Pope. Yeah. Um, so, like, they do have, like, the, a structure set in place. So it, it's pretty, I think that's what's particularly like, scary and off-putting is, like, it, it has to float up to so many levels as a, like, but what we're seeing now is like in, in the evangelical church, evangelical like Protestantism is basically like, they're all like self-run self-managed in a lot of ways. You have a lot of non-denominational churches, but you have a lot of like denominations that report up. And I, unfortunately we're starting to see a lot of shit like that come out within those churches too, where it's like a lot. sexual abuse, abuse of power i mean it's all the same fucking thing when you're dealing with institutions that are that are trying to disseminate a message where the stakes are really high and that message simultaneously is telling you that if you're a christian it's going to change your life and make you a better person so when you have the people at the top fucking up and fucking people it's like you you they want to like they cover it up for the sake of um not letting one person's mistakes ruin it for everybody, but it just yeah. makes it so much worse. It's awful. Doesn't it? It makes me loathe the Catholic Church. Like, I hate Just keep it. your fingers out of people, you know? <laughs> exactly, though. We, it's, it's actually... Okay, so fucked. we talked to a guy from Australia. I don't remember what city he was from. He's uh, guy, Brisbane. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Brisbane, yeah. That's like so there's this guy named Brad Harker that's like a gay rights activist... That grew up in the uh, Mormon Church. Whoa, that's he crazy! Like, uh, you wife and Google kids him. and everything. He sounds amazing. Yeah, he was. He's really a cool, cool guy. He's okay. So that's what I was going to ask you. Have you been to his, the big thing that he did was um, Mardi Gras? Have you been to yeah, that? Um, I've never been to Mardi Gras, but like I have a, a lot, a lot, a lot of queer friends, and we always, always go to gay bars every other weekend. I'm always with my bottle of Amel at a gay bar. <laughs> do you know what Amel is? Or do you call it poppers? I don't call it that yeah, either, so let's keep I'm not going sure what we're talking vocabulary about. Vocabulary <laughs> Like, it's DVD cleaner. DVD cleaner? <laughs> like leather cleaner. <laughs> anyway. 
What do they call that here? Is that like whippets or something like that know. here? It's like no, a little, little bottle of jungle juice. You don't know what it is? Jungle juice here is when you like mix a bunch of different like liquors and oh, fucking yeah, no, fruit no, punch don't together. Drink, don't drink this stuff. You die. But you sniff it and you get high for like two seconds. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's... Yeah, so it's like it's a high Sorry. and also something to do continually throughout the night. Yeah, exactly. yeah. it's like keeps your hands busy at the yeah. bar. But yeah, so no, I've no, I've never been to Mardi Gras, but I would love to go because I am always partying out at gay bars with my friends all the time. Well, if you go, Brad's the one in feathers. <laughs> he's, he's got amazing. <laughs> right. He, he's got. A, they do different. I mean, they go to Mardi Gras all over the. Well, not so much this year, but they would just go to Mardi Gras parties all over the world, and like, I mean, their outfits. Him and his husband would create, and like, there's always themes that they would pick. Like, yeah, they're really cool. The you got to Google them. Like, look them up after this. It's uh, he's best. really awesome. I will. I will for sure. So for in your situation, it was probably a little unique in that, like, you weren't necessarily getting much of the faith push at home but then you're in this institution where you're forced to exactly right it was like so at home my mum and dad like my mum used to like laugh at me for having to go to church she'd be like oh you gotta go to church and I'm like you're the one who got me baptized what are you talking about and also like your baptism do they do um, full submersion or they uh... do um like imagine like your little baby in like a white big flowing dress and they pour a cup of water on your head so it's like uh the, so baptisms are like she it's like a so christian cool. wet t-shirt contest is all yeah exactly <laughs> for babies but even that oh, like, man. why the fuck are you making a baby be baptized you're not giving somebody an option like okay you are a baby until, i yeah, thought they, like, i thought I you were saying say it was when no. you're older like no, around was, middle school, they were like, "We'll get you in this school, so we'll just like yeah, pour no, some water they, on you." They stuff. had this planned strategically. Okay. Being in Mornington, they were like, "We wanted to go to that school, so yeah, we were like little babies." I'm like, "Yeah, you." There's a photo of like a priest holding me and pouring their water on my head, <laughs> and then I would yeah like have to go to mass all the time, and like at school we had to like learn like religion as a subject. So, like, yeah, like, yep. maths, English. I mean, you had RE, religious education, I think it was called. And I remember distinctly in high school, me and my twin sister and my best friend, we were, like, the rebels who wanted to, like, slack off and, like, do a really easy um, religious class just to, like, get, like, our end to school, you know, like, your final score. Just, but we wanted just, like, a subject that was, like, super cruisy. And, like, everyone in our year level did this um, religious class, which was, like, kind of learning about, like, religion and, like, pop culture and, like, watching movies and stuff. And the teachers really wanted, like, more people to join this class called Texts and Traditions. And we were like, oh, we're fucking going to do Texts and Traditions because no one's doing it, so we can just slack off. And everyone like, we'll be cool and we'll do it. And when we got into the class, it was literally that. It was, like, super gnarly, like, learning, like, all this shit about the Bible and I remember there was this test that we had to do and it asked something along the lines like can science prove that, you know, Jesus never existed or something? Like some some question about like science versus religion. 
And I literally wrote my answer. I remember I was like, absolutely, science can prove that that wasn't true. Like, you know, the world wasn't created by God. There, you know, all that shit about how they don't believe there was dinosaurs or whatever. I don't fucking know. <laughs> and I, I'm guessing I, you got docked <laughs> some points for that answer. Yeah, and I got into so much trouble. And they were like, how dare you say that? Like, God was real and God created the earth and there's proof and this and that. And I was like, what the fuck is going on? Like, I was, even then, I was like, this is so ridiculous. Like, I'm not... I don't understand this. Like, I'm, I don't believe it. And how can you force that opinion on somebody if they're questioning it? And also, I was right and they were wrong. <laughs> <laughs> when the college that Casey and I went to, uh, Christian College, that's where we met. And that's where I got my Bible degree that is utterly worthless in the real world, in case anyone was wondering. Yeah, um, what would you do? Would, did you want to be a priest? Yeah. Uh, I didn't even want to. Uh, I, the only I, the only reason I stuck with it, because well, I was very immersed and I was very like, this is what I want to do. Like, this is what's interesting to me. And I'll just do that. And I had like on my like my first year in the dorms, I had like this whole like, like breakdown on my dorm about like, what am I doing? Oh. Like, there's no chance that this is going to do anything for me. I, I can't. But, you know, fear of failure and trying something new kicked in and I just doubled down on my religion degree and and have not used it since and that so yeah i mean i I don't really i didn't really have a lot of intentions with it which is also interesting that i wasn't checked on that more uh that people were like so what are your plans and if they asked i was probably like i don't know uh god will provide is probably something along (laughs) what what did other people like other people who studied with you what did they do with it uh most of them were trying to be pastors and yeah. Okay. Is a, a pastor's like a priest kind of? Yeah, but for not Catholics, it's like it. It's like yeah. I mean, you could. Ju- I mean, really, I could just be like, I want to be a pastor, and I could just go start a church. And if I made it trendy and cool enough, I could probably sucker some people into doing it. Whoa! Yeah. I could go to your church, <laughs> <laughs> provided um, there's snacks. So you finished it and then you just did nothing with the Bible degree? Yeah, nothing. I mean, Did you learn yeah. a lot from the Bible? So this is what I was going to get at. <laughs> no, not at our school. Our school was shit. Look it up. It's called Liberty <laughs> University and they are getting raked over the coals right now because they are, I mean, Title IX violations, covering up sexual abuse. Like, I mean, the shit There's that There's a whole podcast done, about it. Yeah. I mean, the shit that's going on. The, the president. Crap. The president who's like, was oh, I'm a good Christian guy, was like, you know, he had like him and his wife had this relationship with some pool boy where he would just videotape her, him fucking her wife, his wife. And it just got like, I mean, shady business deals, profiting off of a nonprofit. It's really fucked up. Uh, So that's what's going on there. And that's where we graduated from. And it's really embarrassing to put that on a resume. He was tied at the hip to Trump. Oh, yeah. Oh, so. so of course it ended that way then. Yeah, but so the school we went to, just kind of going back to what you were saying about what you were taught, we're talking a college, right? We had to take a class called creation studies, and it was <laughs> all about how the, the world was created. This shit, yeah. Would, yeah, you six loved literal it. days. Six Don't literal days in college. They say that there's no, there weren't dinosaurs. Or am I tripping? 
There's a se- there's segments <laughs> that do. believe that our our school didn't endorse that, but like there's some wacky theories. Like my school growing up, because I went to a Christian school, like most of my undergrad and uh, or whatever you call it, elementary, junior high, high school, and my school taught that the Earth was like six thousand years old. Yep, and that uh, it was originally uh, surrounded by a canopy of water that kept kept it at a like a, a perfect temperature for things growing and stuff and that's how dinosaurs could exist and then when Noah, yeah when noah's ark happened the water canopy fell and flooded the earth and killed all the dinosaurs it's this was in my school i actually <laughs> told you that yes you said like yours was a religion class like mine the religion part was in every class. everything like they, everything was based around it your science class your social studies your history in English. Oh yeah. yeah. That is fucked. We yeah. had a um <laughs> we had a similar vibe, not not so religious, but um with like the way that they explained that like Australia started, because you know, like we're obviously um when a, like the first fleet came to Australia, they were from like, you know, Europe, like from like the UK. And they came and they um, completely, um, like, took over Australia, which already had um, our Indigenous people who were on the land. But, like, Europeans are pretty good at that. Yeah, and it's absolutely disgusting what they did to our First Nations people. And, like... It's just horrific and not okay the way that First Nations people were treated in our country. This is their land. Like I'm speaking right now on stolen land. And they, um, it, at, in school, they just like washed over that so, so much and just spoke about how Captain Cook was this great person who founded Australia and just, you know, there was very little Indigenous education. And it's so wrong when you think about you're teaching these little kids that that they don't grow up to think. Hang on, wait a minute. Like we were on we where we live on stolen land. Like we should acknowledge this, and there is more acknowledgement now, which is great. Like it's really coming to the forefront now. But growing up, it was not like that, and they were just teaching little kids like, oh, this is how Australia started, and they didn't talk about the massacres. And the stolen land, yeah. and the stolen generation of children being stolen from their parents. Like, it is a horrific shit. Probably Australian like... history is disgusting. It's an embarrassment. <laughs> and we, 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 I'm talking on stolen land right now. And I acknowledge my elders, past, present, and emerging. And that's how we all should be because the way these people have been treated is disgraceful. And they need to teach us in schools, just like they need yeah. to stop teaching the, the world was whatever they were telling you that it was in the warm water or something <laughs> in a water bubble <laughs> you were living stuff. in a bubble yeah we actually so yeah in my school books we actually did the native americans a service by bringing them the gospel so we you know they actually owe us a debt of gratitude that's that's how my school the ones framed that are left, it of course. <gasps> now Jesus correct Christ. me if i'm wrong didn't the native population of Madagascar, weren't they completely wiped out? Oh, my God. I don't know. But that's I, I was disgusting. Just, 
I was just listening to a podcast, but I shouldn't, I should talk to, I mean, I'm, I'm secondhand information, but so your school, was it, was there a high percentage of the kids at your school that were like you, they were just there because their parents wanted them there? Or did you have a lot of true believers? Um, a bit of a mixed bag, not, nowhere near as hardcore as your school by the sounds of it, but, um, it's school yeah, also had 20 people in it. So <laughs> yeah, 40, 20, what really? Oh my it's God. It's more than my school. My school kindergarten had- through 12th grade. Oh my God. That's so cute. That's tiny. <laughs> Feels cute now. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Ours had a mixed bag of people who either believed in it or didn't, um, but everyone was to some extent brainwashed to be like, oh, yeah, God is real. Like we will go to, like we used to during school, sometimes we had to go to the church because the, the school had like a church or a chapel connected to it and we'd go to the chapel and there'd be a priest there and you'll have to wait your turn and you'll have to go into the confession, the confession booth with the priest and they'd be like, so what have you done wrong lately? And you'd have to like sit there and be like, Sorry, Father. Yeah, there's a whole speech, and you're like, "These are the forgive me, Father, for I've sinned." I've sinned. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's all coming. Not back even Catholic to me now. Know that shit. It shows up and in a lot of our movies. Oh, <laughs> if, there's a, if there's a movie based in Boston, it's got it's gonna have Catholic ties, like The Departed or some shit like that. Yeah, every time, right? But usually, if you're dealing with something like The Departed, you probably go into the confessional and then shoot the priest in the head to the other side. I don't know. It's usually. <laughs> Some element of violence going on if it's a Boston-based movie. What people always talking about is like Catholicism is so boring. The only upside is that they get all of the horror movies. Yeah, they're all like Catholic tied. Totally. We got bootleg saints. There were nuns and shit as well in my like primary school. Like nuns used to live like in the building, kind of. And yeah, we'd have to like say these like confessionals to the priest. And then I literally, like, would not be able to think of things I'd done wrong because I was kind of a good kid. And so I'd just make shit up. And I'd be like, oh, I got into a fight with my mum. And then they'd be so mean. And they'd be like, how dare you do that? And you'd get, like, like totally chastised for, like, admitting, like, it was a lie anyway, but, like, saying that, like, you did something, like, remotely wrong. And then you'd have to sit really? there for, like, an hour on your knees and pray. And I was like, what the fuck? So they were like, so they literally just laid into you in the confessional? Yeah, it was really nice. I thought that was a no-no. I thought like the confessional was so like, I thought you could walk into a confessional and be like, I cheated on my wife, I beat my kids, I went to the strip club, and then they'd be like, all right, say- uh, This is a safe space. Yeah, and then you just leave. It was the opposite. It was like, that's so bad. And depending how bad- you were that determined how many Hail Marys you had to say after your confession. So you'd have to like sit there and like say like 20 Hail Marys if you did, if you stole something from the canteen or whatever, you know. How much, like, how much was it for fighting with your mom? I reckon I got like 40. And I didn't even <laughs> oh. have to made up five. Yep. But yeah. Well, how much do you get for making shit up? You probably at least got would have got ten for making yeah, shit exactly. up, right? Did you ever try to go? I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah. I take it back. That was a lie. The next week you go in, you're like, uh, I lied about getting in a fight with my mom. I'll just come clean up. <laughs> to be fair, you probably lied about how many Hail Marys you did too, didn't you? Yeah. <laughs>
100%. And they, they make us like do, like, I don't know if it's the same with um, Christianity, but you had like your uh, reconciliation and your communion and you had kind of like steps that you had to go through to like get to eat that fucking bread shit. You know that bread that tastes like ice cream cones? <laughs> <laughs> it does taste like ice cream cones. But that really is a big part of my upbringing. Like, oh, my God, have you done your communion? Like, growing up yeah. in Mornington, like, it was a really, really big part of, like, being a kid. Like, they made it a really big thing. So at that stage, like, in my younger years, like, not many people were questioning what was going on because you just thought this was a part of, like, becoming an adult, I suppose. Right. Yeah. It's almost like a bar mitzvah or something if you're Jewish. Like, even totally. if you're not, don't particularly care that much about it. A lot of my family was Catholic, and I, we would go to, like, I remember going to my cousin's first communion, or before that, you have your confirmation or something like that, I think. Yeah. Confirmation. That's the other yeah. one. That's the so one. I went to a couple of, like, family confirmation parties, and then, then they would have their first communion. And yeah. Like, it's like a whole big thing. But I always felt cheated because it was like, I didn't get that. And I, we, my family would bring a card with money in it. And it's like, I, I would have liked that. I, I would have liked the first, I would have liked the first communion. I so you didn't have in your school, and shit. you didn't have none of that stuff. Well, uh, no, cause I was homeschooled. Do you guys do homeschooling in Australia? Some people do, but. Yeah. Oh, so you were homeschooled. Yeah. It was, and that's because the, like it, the alternative was public school and they would teach about evolution and, uh, and not our Christian history, which isn't real. That's that's the pretend history that you get when you're Christian. Uh, Is that the dinosaurs didn't exist? No, it's <laughs> it's more like it's a lot like what you were talking about when the way that like um, like the history will get is our forefathers came here to establish a Christian nation, and they came here to seek religious freedom, and they'll basically state that the whole purpose of this entire American experiment was to create something Christian. Uh, and the yeah. Holocaust didn't happen. Yeah. There are some Holocaust deniers. <laughs> I didn't, I, but I, I had never Wait, met a Holocaust what? denier to be clear. I don't think I have either. Is that not a thing there? The Holocaust didn't happen? Who so says that? You guys don't have Holocaust deniers? There's like a growing group of people here that, that think that the Holocaust didn't happen. Oh my God. That and it's all propaganda. Six. It's like you can sell any dumb viewpoint yes, to a any. willing group of people right now. <laughs> yeah. Like the flat earthers. Yep. There's another good one. That's another fascinating one. But I'm like, I think why? those uh those groups are very related. I feel like if you're in one, chances For are sure. you're in another. <laughs> For sure. What's... We can we can put the anti vaxxers in there too, shall we? Yeah. Yep. I'm I'm okay with that. We might drop a listener or two, but after that, but <laughs> was the uh, were the were the nuns like were they not? Because I feel like I hear these stories about Catholic school and the nuns just being so like some of them being awful. Were they? Yeah, they. I never had a personal experience with any of the nuns. I the priests for me were the really bad ones. They're really nasty. Um, and I also just that whole thing, like being a nun or a priest, like again, you know, each to their own, but come on, like you can't ever have sex with anybody again. Yeah. Nobody wants that. That's, I don't buy that. That's, I, uh, that's like, feels like why we deal with so much shit. 
it's like that's the just, thing. And it's like they're so nasty to everyone. So. Give him a pass. Give it at least like hire him a, like a, a sex worker once a year. I mean, exactly. It's easier to repent from having sex with a sex worker once a year than it is from sexually assaulting somebody. I, I just, agree with you completely. If we're gonna but repent yeah, of something, do that. The nuns weren't really there. They were just always like up in like yeah these convents, like my old like the school that I went to, the primary school that I went to was like a like a old convents, nun convents. So the nuns still lived up there and there was just like religious stuff everywhere, like big statues of like Mary, um, but like people would always draw all over her face. Wow. What I love about kids is that no matter where you go, they're the same. And if you just put something important in front of them, they're gonna fuck with it. And I think it's so funny. And every everywhere you go, the reaction's the same from the establishment. It's like, I can't believe these kids would be so disrespectful. It's like, exactly. oh my god. They gave Mary a Hitler mustache. <laughs> of course they did. You you shouldn't have put it here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I remember she was holding her hands out like that, and people would always like snap their hands off and stuff. Oh, <laughs> like, oh my god! Um, and the um, I just remember hating reading the Bible. Like, it was the most boring thing I've ever read in my life. And yeah. all of it, I was like, "This is a load of shit." <laughs> I read it. I read it. I love this. This is fun for me because I read it intentionally. Like I would go on, yeah. my, I, would, I would sit is in my bed at night. Bible? And read it. Like, did we, would we have read the same Bible? Uh, Catholics Bible, the Catholic Bible has like the Apocrypha, which is like a few different books that are added into it. But yeah. otherwise you're dealing with. You guys with, get like, the bonus director's cut. Yeah, it's the director's <laughs> cut. <laughs> but like it's basically Lord like. Of the Lord of the Rings, the goes for five hours, the rest of three hours. <laughs> exactly. It's exactly that. But it's still like the Hebrew Bible and then like the new, the Christian New Testament. And then the Catholic Bible had the Apocrypha, which was like Maccabees and the Book of Wisdom and a bunch of others that I don't know because I wasn't required. It wasn't required reading for us Protestants. I haven't read it in years, but is it like one bloke tells his side of the story and then the other dude tells his side of the story? (laughs) Some of it. Your descriptions of it. (laughs) It's like Luke will be like, this happened. And then David will be like, this actually happened. And then they kind of tell like their sides of the story. Sure. Uh, there's a lot. It's weird. I mean, it's hard to, because it's hard to explain because every, almost every book was written by different people. And then there were like editors and redactors that put together stories that were told. Like, it's not like they just wrote these really? stories. Really? Yeah. Yeah. No one just wrote these down. They were like, they were stories that were told for generations that eventually got written down. And then, uh, and then they weren't, after they were written down by various people, then they would like, you would have editors and redactors like bring multiple traditions and stories together and squish them in. It's, it's not like the cut and dry piece of literature that we're, yeah. you or I, it sounds like you too. That they we didn't teach taught. us that. Yeah, we didn't, we weren't. That. <laughs> so way. that's why I actually still pay attention to it is because I find, <laughs> I actually find it very interesting in the way that you look at, it's kind of like, like it's almost like a 3000 year old history of the way that people have perceived God, their place yeah. in the world and, and how they interpret their relationship to others over 
3000 years. And I think that's yeah. interesting. And I think that if you approach it that way, there's something you can, I think there's like, it's something you can glean from it. I don't yeah. think it's required and that it, that should have that, that, that needs to matter to anybody that does. It's like in yeah. the same way as like reading the Odyssey. Yeah. 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 In some ways. No, I, I hear, I hear, I get that. And like, you know, as I've said, like if people believe in God, then cool. They can believe in God. They're not offending me. It's just like, don't fucking try and tell me it's real. So and don't, and don't let them. It's like, it's not cool to like, you know, use that as an excuse to take a boat to a new country and kill everybody who lived there before you. <laughs> exactly. Maybe not. One uh, thing we used to always have to do in primary school was like, <laughs> we had to do like reenactments of like Jesus being like hung on the cross. Like when sounds... I think about it, that's really like weird. Like that's whack. Like getting little <laughs> kids to like dress up as Jesus and carry a giant cross. And, and then, then like tell get him he was tied to the cross. Sons. Yeah. This is because of you. You're like talking to a six year old and like, do you see what you did? You did this. Dude, Christian cosplay is so weird. Yeah, (laughs) Christian cosplay. That's exactly like what it was. Like little Uh, kids, like literally pretending to be the Virgin Mary. And come on. The Virgin Mary. (laughs) I was unintentionally the Virgin Mary for most of my life. We were both the virgins. Yeah, I didn't even think of that. I get to be the virgin. We Wait, thought about you, it a lot. Are you both married? Can I, can yeah. I ask you both and st- married? And still yep. virgins. And still virgins. Yeah. No, you're not. As as the Lord decreed. Yep. <laughs> are you, we, we get to jerk off once a month. <laughs> but you're, so you're both married. So when you got married, that was the first time you ever had sex? For both. Yep. Yeah, yeah. We made it. We did it. It would like it would have been pretty bad the first time. Then it was a, it was a <laughs> lot. There was a lot of buildup. That's for sure. There's a last like, about two seconds. Is what I'm it's getting. Like, what I'm like. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, for sure. We call that a uh, being a one pump chump. Is what. We- <laughs> yeah. That's so interesting. Oh yeah, God, that's that's a big thing. Uh, I was ask 20. Yeah, you ask whatever you want. I was 22. How 21. Oh my God. It was three days after I turned 21. And so 12 years later, still married, two kids. Well, well both of us too. Yeah, I mean, it worked out for us, but we have plenty of friends that uh, got divorced a year and a half later oh, when they realized they were in yeah. Because some people, like, that's the thing as well. Like, some people you might find attractive, and then there's no sexual compatibility. Yeah, that's, that's a normal. big thing where we came, like the the world that we came from has we, it's called purity culture, and it, it just it kind of like trashes a woman's sexuality for you know their entire life. So it's like Absolutely. don't have sex if you do your trash. If you do your that's it's funny when you mentioned a band like b- bands using the name Damaged Goods. That's yeah. what uh, we called women who had sex before they were married. So oh, oh yeah. My God! Yeah, it's a very sexist construct. It's it messed so up sexist. a lot of people. Yep. So then you're that like, sucks. okay, you can't have sex and you can't be sexual, and then, uh, then you get married, and now you just have to like open it, like just spread your legs for an animal to just attack, and then you're that's like, fuck. That's yeah, no it's really terrible. Life. Can, can I ask? If, 
Are you allowed to use contraception? Yeah, uh, Protestants don't have an issue with that. Catholics have an issue with that. Yeah. Catholics are very anti. Because I used to date a guy years ago and he um, was from a very Catholic family. He grew up in, like, the country, like, about three hours out of, like, the main city in Melbourne. And his family was super, super Catholic, and he was the youngest of ten kids. Jesus, his parents didn't use yeah, pull out what do you call them rubbers. <laughs> I Is that a sin say, too? I think pulling out's a sin too. What? What's a sin? I think pulling out's a sin too. <laughs> I don't know. There's some groups that take it a long ways. <laughs> I. Is it like bad to like do like gnarly sex positions and stuff, or is that like? Oh, uh, probably. I don't even know if they acknowledge that those exist. No. There was no talk of like. Why what... are you so sorry for people? Like, come on, that it doesn't sucks. work out very good for most people. No, there's a we lot of are, people. We are the might be the exception. We very both much like so. Sam and I both only dated one person too. We married the first person that we. We're in a oh, relationship with. That's so cute. How long Technically did you together for before you got married? Uh, so I think I st- we started dating when I was seventeen. Yeah. Uh, yeah, seventeen to twenty. So yeah, three. That's a good years. amount of time. Yeah. I mean, it is. You know, if you were like thirty and you married somebody at thirty-four, it's definitely strange when you're getting married three days after you turn twenty-one. People are like, "You sure you want to do that?" You're like, "Yeah, I know." Yeah. Is, I mean, it, again, it worked out, uh, but yeah. a lot of people who knew really didn't. <laughs> um, was the weddings really religious? Oh yeah, uh, I look back on mine with a heavy degree of embarrassment. I, <laughs> it was no like drinking, no dancing, no drinking. <laughs> I love how this you, you would not have made it as an evangelical, I don't think. No. I, I can tell you one thing. I would have been the most damaged goods of all, if you know what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> I do like the idea though of like putting together some sort of a Kickstarter and sponsoring like a Nikki Brumman abridged Bible. Yeah. Where you just like you read a chapter and then you sum it up in one sentence, however you feel, and then we'll put out like the 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 new Brahmin standard edition, you know? I love that. Perfect. I go straight to fucking hell where I belong. <laughs> I have one que- I have one more question about your school system. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You said you have like it sounds like your state school is like what our our equivalent to public school, and then yes. you said like, yeah, yeah, yeah. and then yeah. you're like you have your middle like of the road which is like your catholic school and then you mm-hmm. have like a tier above that the private what that schools mean? the private catholic schools school, is like... it private school do you have to pay for the catholic school or you just have to be catholic no you you have to pay okay. um but i don't know how it's different the the way i like the private schools are like the non-religious ones but they're like so expensive where they're like the rich people like that's how the that's, so that's how the that's how the uh, Catholics get you. They're like, we know most people can't afford that. We'll just yes, we'll just compete, but at a lower cost, and then we'll just get all the uh, exactly. The middle that must be it. That must be the that's the draw card. Yeah, because my school, my parents still paid school fees, but it wasn't like super expensive to go. There. Okay, but it was still like a nice school. Like it was like looked really nice. Yeah, to wear like, what's the uniform. appeal? 
Like, uh, so for uh, in the U.S., the appeal of a religious institution, as far as school goes, is for like religious parents. But your parents really weren't, and they, it wasn't that important to them. So, like, as your state schools, just like, do they really they just, consider that a poor education? Yeah, and just like a bit more rough as well, which is just really judgmental and stupid. Because I have heaps of friends who went to public schools, yeah. and they're fine. Interesting, um, but. Yeah, I think the the draw card for them was like, oh, it's a nice school and they have to wear a uniform and they'll, you know, get the best kind of education. And, yeah, they'll have to go to church all the time and that's fine. Yeah, that'll make you a better person. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Someday if they study hard, they'll be a death pop vocalist. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Was Hey, which, what was, when did you like hit the road uh, with music? Uh, um, as in like, when did I start going on tour? Yeah. Like, like what, when, did you join, a, did, were you in like a, a bunch of different bands before you joined Pagan? Yeah. So before Pagan, I was in one band that I spoke about briefly before that we were called Little Lamb and the Rosemary's and we were like a riot girl kind of band. And we would play a lot of shows, but we never went on proper tour and then sort of an overlap pagan started and at the at the start I was like I really want to do um like acting stuff still and band stuff like just any kind of performance but pagan slowly started taking over my life that I actually didn't have time to really commit to acting stuff anymore I'll still do a little bit like I just do like some tv commercials and stuff sometimes but I was like oh my god this is becoming really busy and we started maybe about two years into playing in Pagan, we started touring really, really regularly. So we just started doing Australian tours and Australian tours are hilarious because Australia is so big but all of the major cities are so spread out. So, like, you'll be like, oh, yeah, we're, we're going on tour and we'll literally just do three places. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> and it's, like, a massive tour. But, yeah, so we started doing, like, mainly the East Coast in Australia And then we got an offer to, like, go to the UK and Europe and things really started picking up and, like, we did, like, really well over there. Like, even our first tour, it was fucking amazing. Like, we were selling out shows and, like, people really enjoyed it and, like, we'd make, like, heaps on merch. It was just, like, we'd never seen people go that crazy before. So in Australia, people, they're kind of cool like, they don't really, it takes a lot for them to, like, really get into the band. Whereas in Europe, like, you just, like, step on stage and people are, like, going nuts, like, jumping off the stage, like, buying, like, thousands of euros worth of merch. Like, it was, it's so fucking sick. Wow. And even the tour life in Europe is the best. Like, the venues, they get um, funding for, like, to, like, look after bands when they come to their venue. So... They, they like, oh, cook wow. meals for you. They, like, give you, like, so, like, you rock up, you've got, like, a fridge of, like, the best fucking German beers and then your rider. So, like, we'd always have, like, red wine and, like, you know, some kind of, like, spirit, like, whiskey or something. And then you've got, like, I'm talking, like, plates and plates full of, like, salads and, like, vegan meat or real meat and cheeses and stuff like that. And then, you know, you're sitting there going, cool, this is, like, what we're going to eat tonight. And then they're like, oh, dinner's coming. And then they make you, like, a whole hot meal as well. Oh, damn. Like, they're so hospitable. I mean, playing in the UK is exactly like playing in Australia. They're like, here's two drink cards. Enjoy. But, like, 
playing in Europe is so amazing. And like, as well, just the experience from living in Australia, you know, you get in the car, you're in the car for a couple of hours and you're in a new country. Like, it's just mind-blowingly cool, you know? Yeah, and so, like, we went back to Europe a couple of times and then, sadly, the guys in my band, they just weren't feeling it anymore. They kind of wanted to commit to other things in their life and they split up and it was just a really bad time to break up because we were kind of on the cusp of doing bigger like, things. Yeah, you know, like, and, like, yeah, everyone was up. super shocked. I mean, in hindsight, I'm stoked we broke up. But at the time I was absolutely devastated because it had kind of become my identity as well, being in that sure, band. Yeah. Like I was really, which is kind of a dangerous game to play, I always say now. Like everything I did, everything, I, even like everything I posted on social media, my whole identity was being in a band, like everything I had to look forward to. And then when I lost the band, I felt like I had nothing. Just rudderless. Um, yeah, two weeks after Pagan broke up. Nobody knew we'd broken up. We broke up probably like September 2019 and we didn't make the announcement until January 2020. Okay. And like two, oh, sorry, it would have been August 2019. Two weeks later, my dad died. And so like uh, I just lost the oh band. Sorry. And then I lost my dad and my mom was terminally ill with ovarian cancer. And then. Oh, my God. A few months later, I got the offer to join Blood Command. And while it was amazing, I was just, like, going through, like, all these big changes in my life. And um, my mum died a few months after that. So my mum, really freaky, my mum died one day short of my dad's one-year anniversary of his death. Like, oh, my God. Time. Wow. Yeah. So, and and my, ex, my boyfriend, who I was living at the time, broke up with me about three months before my mom died. Really nice guy. Um, and, Ooh. yeah, so I just, like, all this, like, trauma and loss. And the one, and it sounds really cheesy, but, like, it really is true, the one good thing was Blood Command. And, it, like, it's just so beautiful, like I say to Ingvar, the guitarist who, um, like, poached me. I say to him, I was, I'm like, you literally saved my life. Like, without, without him... I would have very, very, very likely been incredibly depressed and who knows what. I was incredibly suicidal. And then with Blood Command, like, it gave me hope again. It gave me something to look forward to. I guess, like, going full circle, maybe that's how some people are about religion, you know? It gives them hope, gives them something to believe in, whatever. That's like me with Blood Command. Like, it gave me that. It gave me something to live for. And it's just like a beautiful thing. Like we, and we always say that we saved each other because he was also really depressed at the time and um, really unhappy with the band and stuff. And then we've found this new thing to like help each other. And it's really awesome. Wow. And neither of you considered accepting Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior? (laughs) Fuck no. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry. I know. He's always there with open arms. Yeah. Man, that's that is that's, that's like sensory overload, though. That's so yeah, many things sorry, all at once. I feel like I just no, like blurted that, that out. No, no, of course, you like, holy shit! No, that's that's and huge. Just what can't happened. imagine. Yeah, it was it was really, really, really the worst time of my entire life. I can say that with with um, certainty. But it's given me 
this resilience I never thought I had. And it also made me realize what I wanted out of life. So the minute that Ingvar, like he tried messaging me on Instagram, but I'm really terrible at checking that out box on Instagram, which is probably where you guys messaged me originally. And I probably took days to get back to you because <laughs> I never check it just because I get like people writing random shit in there and I just can't be bothered with it sometimes. And he'd messaged me on there and I never replied to him. So he like found me on Facebook and was like, hey, I've been trying to get in touch with you, but you're impossible to get in touch with. I have a proposition. And the minute he, he was like, will you be the new singer of Bugman? I was like, yes. Like I didn't even pause. I was like, yes, this is what I want. And then it made me like so driven to like learn all the songs and make the album the best fucking thing it can possibly be. Like I'm so proud that I use that grief to like make something really good for myself. Yeah, so I was like, absolutely. this is, I'm, I'm going to turn my life around. I'm going to make a fucking good and I'm going to be stoked with life. And, you know, I have my bad days. Don't get me wrong, but blog command they yeah, really it showed me what I really really want and I'm yeah I'm so stoked and so privileged to be able to be doing it too and that my life has been able to be turned around that's amazing Man, was- by the time it, you're able to actually like get together with them in person hit the road you guys are going to be like ready to stomp on the gas I'm sure I too. Know. exactly exactly have you been able to like physically connect with them like if you you haven't been with together all no. of you at once at all. We've, wow. We've done like just like, you know, like Zoom or Skype. Yeah. Like calls like that, but we've never met. Wow. Yeah. So was Ing- was he a fan of Pagan? Is that how? He, yeah. He was a really big fan of Pagan. Weirdly, I was interviewed for, I don't know if you guys know, it's called Kerrang. It's like a heavy yeah. music magazine. So we were interviewed for Kerrang. Um, look, I was interviewed for Kerrang when I was in Pagan and they asked me my top five songs of 2018, I think. And um, uh, Casey, I think you said you love uh, Cult Drugs. Love Cult Drugs. Yeah, yeah, Blood Command's album from 2017. So I was listening to Cult Drugs at the moment and I, I put the, the title track, Cult Drugs, I put that as one of the top five songs in this Kerrang! article and I wrote in it where, you know, it's funny, we're kind of like a, a heavy version of Blood Command, I love this band, blah, 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 and Ingva read the article and he was like, who's Pagan from Melbourne, Australia? What the fuck? <laughs> and he, he checked us out and he's told me that the day he checked us out, he goes, why isn't this girl singing for Blood Command? She's wow. the voice I want. So the minute he heard the, the Pagan had split up, he was like, we want you. And, like, luckily their previous singer was, um, she just found out she was pregnant she was going to be leaving the band anyway. And, you know, I think there were a few band issues that I won't go into, but I think it all worked out really well timing-wise for both of us. Dude, that's that's awesome. Is there a more Norwegian name than Ingvar? Um. <laughs> That's a good question. I don't. I feel like probably not. <laughs> That's what I conjure in my head. Like if I hear Ingvar, I'm yeah. like, oh, I, I imagine him eating some sort of pickled fish on a boat. Totally. The- <laughs> on a Viking longboat. And a side note about the um, them being from Norway as well, which I always tell people, I am obsessed with Norway and I have been for many, many years. When I, I you know, in my early 20s, 20s, I got very, very heavily into Norwegian black metal. And when I was, I think, 22 or 23, so pretty much to this day, 10 years ago, like 
maybe give or take a three or four weeks. So 10 years ago in 2011, I went to Norway and I did my own like black metal tour. I went and saw all of like the sites where like mayhem started and like I went to Halvete Records where the building was and I went to like see like Euronymous's grave and all this stuff. And I went to Bergen as a part of my my um, trip and I said to my sister who I was travelling with, I said to her, I am one day going to live in Bergen. I love this place. It's my favourite place I've ever been. Fast forward 10 years, I'm asked to join a fucking Norwegian band. That's Are you going to move to Bergen? I want to very much. <laughs> <laughs> I could definitely see you torching a church too. Yeah! That's why I love Norwegian black metal so much because of their, you know, like anti-religious stuff. Like it's just cool. Although having gone to Norway and seeing how beautiful the churches are just because of how old they are, it did actually make me a bit sad. Now there's a lot of them though. Yeah, true. Yeah, that's the weekend. Just don't do too many. Don't just don't burn down too many, and it'll be okay. Yeah, exactly. Speaking of the anti-religious sentiment, one of the things that stuck out to me is um, is you like upside down crosses in your Mm -hmm. uh, visual aids. And what was uh, is obviously your only your experience is with Catholicism. Um, Yeah. So, but the anti-religious sentiments are mostly related to obvious to that obviously what is what was that something that was um i'm trying to think of the right way to, of what i'm trying to even ask but uh, like what what sparked that is like I, as opposed to just like not even giving a shit uh, what was it was like i i really want to move into this type of iconography for our shows and and bring this into a part of it it, 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 it's annoying because it's not really like an interesting story or anything. We just aesthetically really like the look yeah. of it. And even with the name Pagan, we're just like, it's just a great name and it is a bit anti-religious, but we're not Satanists or anything like that. Um, but it also goes hand in hand with heavy metal and it just looks great. Like the hot pink neon cross on stage looks fucking dope. Yeah. Um, it's like but- <laughs> When you had it the was, neon one, that was pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. We used to, like, love that around. I had a, if it hasn't, like, road case for tours. But, yeah, <laughs> we we never – none of us were um, super, like, into Satanism or anything like that. We just were anti-religious and we were just, like, it's a really good um, logo to have and it, it just creates a place for people who feel like they're outcasts, they can come and feel safe here and – you know, it's just, yeah, it was very much just like an aesthetic thing with Pagan for sure. Yeah, yeah that's quite like the obvious, uh, like, um, things that you could drop. It's almost more like an anti establishment totally. sort of thing. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah, that punk mentality for sure. Overturning also, sacred institutions. Exactly. But also, like, but having some knowledge in Catholicism, I also think it's fucking stupid. So I do like <laughs> to take the piss. So it's fun to like irk. It, it is, there's that. It's fun to just flip symbols and and use them to irk the people that that use them. I I, I can yeah. see, especially that punk mentality of like just burn it all down, burn everything down. Like exactly. Anarch- and even like, being even a just woman the in a band. Yeah, like even me a woman in a band, like that's fucking punk as fuck. Like, cause really, when I was doing it, there weren't a lot of women in Melbourne doing it, and um, you know, it was that w- even created like such a safe space for like 
a lot of women and queer people to come and feel like I fit in somewhere, you know? Yeah. There's still not a lot of women doing it. I mean, when you look at like heavy music across the, like, I mean, it's even given the style when you're dealing with like music that's screaming, just men having the deeper voices, like they dominate the field. But even, even outside of vocalists, like you don't see a lot of women in, in bands comparatively either so it's it's getting more diverse though there's like some some big names now like courtney laplant and yeah book and niles australian yeah yeah she um i yeah i know booker yeah she was on this like reality tv show called maps married at the site yeah so she's become become like a reality tv star she's a very lovely girl and she's very beautiful so good on her but Still, That's I was funny. Like, what the hell? Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> so, do you guys? You got a full album recorded, and mm-hmm. we like... recorded. Yeah, so we figured out. You know, we I couldn't get over there, even though like I'm most likely going to be there at the end of the year, but I couldn't get over there at the time. So we recorded with an engineer here, Callan, or he um is like does a lot of. Um, metalcore kind of bands but he has also worked with bands in Europe so I thought he would be the perfect person to work with so basically I was in his studio with him and then we set up a Skype session with Ingvar who was producing and you know I'm wearing headphones like what I'm wearing now and I can hear Callum in my in one ear and Ingvar in the other and then we were able to record an album literally on the other sides of the world. The only hurdle was that Callan only works 10 till 6, like 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. So Ingvar had to do 2 a.m. till um, 10 a.m. sessions. (laughs) (laughs) That's rough. (laughs) That's the only really difficult thing about it. Everything else, it was so fucking seamless and we're all stoked with it. Like, yeah, I think it's going to be going to be a really great thing for blood command and it's a bit nerve-wracking for me because people haven't seen the more pop side of my vocals so i'm a little bit scared but it's like good scared you know i put in a lot of work so i don't have anything to feel regretful about or like i feel really proud with with what we did well your first single is awesome I've listened to it Thank a bunch you. of times. So. Thank you so much. Very excited to hear more. Do you guys have a release date yet for the album? Uh, we do. It's just not been announced yet, but yeah, it'll be coming soon. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. I, I'm always curious to know, like kind of on a closing note here, um, I feel like what's your favorite, this or that or the other is kind of like a, is kind of lame because it's hard to count conjure and stuff. Like, if you're going to look at your like Spotify or whatever, like what are mm. you listening to the most right now? Like what's, what's some stuff that comes to mind, like bands that you love at the moment? Yeah. Um, weirdly, I've been listening to quite a bit of pop music, which I always love a bit of pop. So one of my favorite pop artists at the moment is Lil Nas X. Oh, my oh God. yeah. Yeah. Making waves. <laughs> he's a, uh, he's a dream guest here. Yeah. <laughs> I love him. We're not on his radar. I think he's a That's fine. Have, have you guys seen his video badass. that he dropped like this week? Yeah. Like fucking bad. He's incredible. Like he, how amazing. And even how he came out when his single got to, like didn't he come out when he's like EP or single or something got to number one? And he's just like, hey, everyone, I'm gay. Sit on this. 
Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. Dude, that guy fucking yeah. is great. I mean, everything me he does, punk. everything he does is such a fuck you to everything. And, but not in just like a, it's, it's always in such, it's not just in like a basic or done before. It's always such an incredible showy way yeah. of saying, fuck you guys. Yeah. And even the way, like his music videos, everything about it is like, it's really incredible. And then you yeah. watch the shit storm over. I don't know if you guys deal with like, if you see similar things over in Australia, but over here, like you have a large group of your Christian community being like, so bent out of fucking shape about this like, guy clasping their pearls you know like yeah. when montero came out because it's like he's dancing with the devil it's like it's like everything he's doing and is literally just going right over their heads and the things that they're complaining about are the things that he's making fun of them that for he's complaining wanting, about exactly and even i that thing about putting the like blood in the nikes or something oh my god yes <laughs> I was like it's so fucking smart and to me like yeah he's a pop singer but that is so punk. Like that yeah. is the most punk mentality to like literally be like, I don't give a fuck what people are going to say about me. Um, you know, I'm an ugly gay man, a black man at that doing this, like fucking badass. That's brave. Yeah. And that's punk as. Yeah. Well, yeah. And like, that's just a part of being like, that's part of being a super successful musician is like people like, People want good music, but they also like crave like rock stars, you know, mm-hmm. in whatever form they come. It's like these big personalities that that like challenge the status quo and that kind of like upset the apple cart with things like that. Like that's what's missing, especially in like rock music and stuff today. Like we just don't have a lot of those. And and so like these other people from other genres are filling those roles, you know, people like him and you know, Machine Gun Kelly and some of these other guys that um, I, I feel like rock and heavy music really is like craving some yeah, big personality. Yeah, I agree. I actually love that Machine Gun Kelly album, that new one he did, because it reminds me of old Blink-182. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely got that flavor to it. I was like, Machine Gun Kelly sucks. And then I listened to it and I was like, this is actually really nostalgic. <laughs> that's why i have good taste in music as well maybe you can fill that role nikki that's yeah you are the big personality that they're craving right now yeah exactly damn straight do something crazy get and it all starts with the uh brumman abridged scriptures yeah that's what's gonna get us there that's your bloody nikes yeah do it i love it well it's been uh, it's been great talking to you. Thank you so yeah. much for doing this. It's yeah, kind of like a shot in the dark. Me. Thanks so much for having me. It's been so awesome to meet you both. Yeah, yeah. it's great meeting you. Thanks. Excited Nikki. to see what uh, what Blood Command's got coming. Uh, can you give everybody an idea where they can find your music or where they can follow you on social media? Yeah, of course. So um, on Instagram, just Blood Command. Same with Facebook. Otherwise, Spotify, Blood Command. Definitely check it out. And if you want to. Um, jump on YouTube, a villain's monologue is there. And we've got some new music coming out very soon, which I'm very excited for everybody to hear. Awesome. Yeah. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. And we will catch you next time. Bye.